This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Many farms and small businesses have to consider how they will pass that operation from one generation to the next. Part of that process is estate planning, but if that's all you've completed, then you could be setting yourself up for failure. We discuss the key conversations family-owned businesses need to be having. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. When it comes to using nitrogen on my corn, the more predictable, the better. That's why I've used Pivot Bio Proven 40 on my corn for the past two seasons. With Pivot Bio, I know my crops are getting the nitrogen they need, no matter the weather. And now that same predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. In these times of rising input prices, it's great to know you can have a proven source of nitrogen. Contact your local sales rep to learn more or just go to pivotbio.com. We hear a lot about estate planning for family businesses. It's certainly important. A lot of dollars can be at stake, not to mention the future viability of the business itself. But estate planning is just a portion of what needs to take place. My guest this week is Lisa Quist with Nationwide. Specifically, she works with a program called Land is Your Legacy that helps families navigate some of the key steps they need to take to keep their business successful through generational transitions. Before we begin our interview, I need to remind you that federal income tax laws are complex and subject to change. Neither Nationwide nor its representatives give legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or tax advisor for answers to specific questions. Here's my interview with Lisa. Lisa Quist is my guest, and Lisa is Central Regional Vice President. Land is your legacy with Nationwide. Lisa, we have gotten to visit a little bit before, and I was really intrigued by not only your your personal story, but most importantly, what you do helping others out there who are transitioning many times from one generation to another or looking at how do I take a farm or other business and, and help do that. Why don't we begin with this, though? I mentioned land as your, as your legacy is part of your title. So first of all, just what is land as your legacy? Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate the time to come on and visit with you today. Land is Your Legacy is a program that was put together by Nationwide in order to help farms and ranches transition their farms from generation one to generation two. So we're taking active operations and giving them kind of the roadmap that is going to help them structure their farm and make decisions on their farm to give their farm the best chance of success 20 to 30 years in the future. A lot of people don't know Nationwide was founded by farmers as part of the Ohio Farm Bureau and continues to be run by farmers today, with over over half of our board members being active farmers. So we really focus on the ag community in the decisions that we make as a company, and Land is Your Legacy is one of those things that, that we do to give back to rural America. So we'll jump into some of what Land is Your Legacy does but let's begin with a little bit of your background as well, because uh, you have some farm in your background. And, and even this type of situation, I think it was important in what you do today, because you had personal experiences dealing with moving from one generation to another. I did. That's correct. So my husband and I uh, farmed 
um, with my father-in-law and made the decision to sell out a few years back um, because we just didn't feel like we could see our future in that operation. There wasn't a solid transition plan put into place. And we made the decision. My um, my father-in-law has not passed away. We just made the decision to sell out. Um, we felt it was the most financially responsible decision for us um, as we were just unable to see our clear future in that operation because there wasn't a clear transition plan in place. It was a hard decision to make. And of course, many people are having to make those types of decisions because we think about transitioning from one generation to the next. And is it possible? Can we do it? And, and so forth is the discussion. One of the things when we had the chance to visit, you mentioned that it's very important to understand that an estate plan is not a transition plan. And sometimes when you have conversations with people or you hear about these conversations, they'll say, well, I'm all right because I've done my estate planning. So talk about that discussion because that is an important thing that we need to discuss in this interview. Oh, yes, absolutely. Shout it from the mountaintops, Andrew. Um, There is such, in my opinion, there is such a big misunderstanding in rural America Um, people may say, you know, I've been to my estate planning attorney, maybe they've done their wills, their trusts, created an LLC, some of those things. Um, But there's so much more that goes into it in order to ensure that a farm is transitioned successfully. Um, You know, we need to look at things like risk management and business planning and um, transferring of that knowledge. To me, that's one of the ones that are that's so important to me is kind of the mentorship of the next generation. There's so many people on farms and ranches in rural America that are generation two and generation three, and they're being treated more like a farmhand and not really being looked at as the next generation owner manager of that operation. And if we're not transferring that knowledge, we're really doing a disservice to generation two and three, because while it is incredibly important, of course, to transfer the assets, If we don't transfer the knowledge, we're not setting them up for success. Um, They need to know how generation one makes those decisions. You know, when do we decide that it's time to plant or time to harvest or, um, you know, and how does generation one make that determination instead of generation one just saying, oh, by the way, let's go. It's time to plant. It's time to harvest. Um, so it's it's something that I'm personally very passionate about. I see it quite a bit as I'm working in rural America um, that there's this understanding we need to do the estate planning, um, but this other much larger piece of it often gets left behind. So this communication part, how does that change if there's somebody that is actually on the farming operation and, the, and that's something they have that they believe they want to do in the future versus somebody that is still an owner, but not on the farm? How do you see this working out best to be able to accomplish what you're talking about? One thing that I really encourage our uh, family farms to do and our operations to do is um, to establish a set pattern of family meetings. I think family meetings are the most important part to be able to establish those communication lines and have a structured way, place, and time for people to be able to have these conversations. There's no denying that communication in a family farm is 
it's tough. It is hard. There are some tough conversations that need to be had, um, tough decisions that need to be made. Um, and I would say that the the farms that we see that are highly successful at transferring from generation to generation, take the family meeting recommendation seriously and do it. And those first couple family meetings, they're so awkward and they're so... Um, it just feels odd because you're family, um, but those meetings are an important part of keeping that communication open. And I think that's important whether people are on the farm or off the farm, everybody needs to be involved in that conversation. And how you structure it and how often is really individual. I've heard anywhere from we have a meeting once a week to we have a meeting once a year. Um, obviously, if you're having a meeting once a week, it's going to be a shorter meeting. And if it's once a year, it's going to be a much, much longer meeting. Um, and you know who gets invited to those meetings? It's really very personal. I I really recommend that that people work with someone who specializes in transition planning. There's all kinds of people across the country that do this work, um, including nationwide. But there's all kinds of people that do this work, and just really work with somebody to help structure what makes sense for your operation. Of course, every operation is different. But what are some of the key things that need to be taking place in those meetings? And Again, every operation is different and it may depend on how many people and so forth we're talking about. But what do you see as perhaps a model for what should be taking place? Yeah, um, I have a couple recommendations, actually, that I give when I'm when I'm talking about this. The first and to me, non-negotiable, every every other recommendation that I give is based on the assumption that this is going to be followed. And what that is, is those family meetings must be a safe space. Everyone in that room has to be given the opportunity to talk and know that they're not going to be um, belittled, teased, mocked, ridiculed, yelled at, called names, anything like that, being told their idea is stupid. It has to be a safe space for people to be able to bring their ideas to the table. From there, what I recommend is let's just take a family that's going to meet every Monday morning nine o'clock in the morning. Maybe morning chores are done and, and the meeting is going to happen every Monday at 9 a.m. Assign roles to each person that comes to that meeting. There needs to be someone who's taking notes and who's kind of the secretary. There needs to be someone who's making sure that the meeting stays on time and stays on task. There needs to be an agenda so that people know what to expect. And this doesn't have to be a full page agenda, but maybe it's just bringing forward ideas from the week before or things that have come up during the week. But then I recommend that you change those roles around. And I'm going to pick a little bit on generation one dads here. And I know this is stereotypical and, and we need to be very careful about that. But say, say dad is used to being the one who's running that meeting and who's kind of setting the agenda and, and kind of the one that's in charge. You know what? Sometimes it's okay to let someone else in the room be the person that's in charge and setting the agenda and setting the tempo of that meeting. And just that change um, can help bring different perspectives to the table that you might not otherwise see. And I actually also recommend that you physically change locations that you're sitting. So if, again, I'm going to pick on dad, if dad typically sits at the head of the table, everybody shift one seat. And see how that changes the dynamic of that meeting. Because just that one thing, again, not just dad's not in charge, somebody else is, but dad's also not sitting at the head of the table or whoever that person that is that is normally in charge. It's not always dad. I understand that. 
but just have people switch seats and see if that changes the dynamic of your meeting and the conversation that happens. And then the other thing that I recommend, and this is, this is easier said than done. I totally understand that, but we have to come to an agreement that we're going to not allow gossip in the family. Um, family gossip is just a killer for productive, positive communication that's going to move that operation forward. And again, in order to even hope to get rid of the family gossip, you've got to have that safe, safe space for that family meeting. Um, but if you can create that safe space for that family meeting, then the family gossip, you should be able to do away with that as well. We've spent most of our time talking about this communication part. I'm going to guess that you're going to say that's by far the most important part before we get to anything else. Would that be right? That's absolutely accurate. When we ask um, clients that we've worked with, what is the most challenging part? Overwhelmingly, we hear it's the communication, it's the family dynamics and the family harmony. And there are situations where maybe it's in that farm's best interest to bring in a mediator. Um, that does go beyond the scope of the nationwide land is your legacy plan. Um, but maybe that's in the family's best interest. If they just have a really hard time, maybe that's their first step is to bring in a mediator to help with those communication pieces. So having been around this for a while, if we're thinking about the communication, and hopefully we can get along and, and visit, and, and so we, be, we get to this step, if I am at that point, then what are some of these key markers that I should be talking about? Is it about, okay, is another generation going to come in and work the farm? Is it what goals they have? And, and then along with that, you probably have other people who have married into this family and so forth. What types of things uh, are do you run into? So I would say the key to that, Andrew, is really getting everybody on the same page and kind of moving in the same direction. Um, and I have a different message. If I'm talking to Generation 1 or I'm talking to Generation 2 or even 3, there's kind of a different message there. For Generation 1, my message is if your goal is for your next generation to come back and have this be an active operation that still is in business as a farm, not we're putting it into a trust and they're going to be landlords, but you clearly, you, you want them to run this as an active operation, man, this work is 100% imperative to make that happen. If you then come to me and say, well, they can figure it out when I'm gone or, you know, they get along fine. It's not going to be a problem. They'll, you know, they can hash it out when I'm gone. That's almost a guarantee that that operation is going to have to get split up and sold off if there's not that communication ahead of time. If I'm talking to Generation 2, I have a little bit different of a message. And my message to Generation 2 is you need to understand that the decisions may not always go your way. Ultimately, Generation 1 are the major owners of the assets, and ultimately, it's their decision. And the decision may not always go your way, and that needs to be okay. You need to make the decision for yourself that you're going to not hold grudges, and you're not going to get upset or honestly act like a small child when the decision doesn't go your way. Be an adult. Understand dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, whoever that is, still owns the majority of the assets and ultimately it's still their decision. And if you're having, again, we're going back to assuming we're having these family meetings that are a safe space, then you have a place where you can bring up your goals and dreams and desires and what you want to work on. And you need to do that in a respectful way, understanding that letting go of that 
decision-making and letting letting things kind of having you become the manager is a tough thing for generation one to do because they've worked their whole life to build what they have. You look around on the operation and, and everywhere you turn is a reminder of how hard that generation one has worked to build what they have. And I think particularly with farmers and ranchers, it's an, an especially difficult thing because it's just so much of who they are as a human. It's their identity. It's it's their job. It's their home. It's their work. It's their life's work all around them. And now generation two is coming and saying, hey, we need to make a plan of how you're going to pass this all to me. So just be really cognizant of how hard that is for generation one to let go Um because they're not just retiring like somebody who maybe works on Main Street, um, but it's their whole way of life that they're in their mind walking away from. I know that the land is a, as your legacy program covers many different facets, and and we probably don't have time to get to all of those. But are there some other ones that you would like to zero in on? Again, with your experience and seeing different challenges that farm operations have, what are some of the other key components we need to be considering? Make sure that you have a solid risk management plan in place. Um, there's, you know, every state is different. Every operation is different. So I can't talk specifics. Um, again, I would just point you back to work with a professional who does this work. But there are so many um, tax laws and estate laws and different things that you need to account for in your plan um, as you're doing this work. And a professional in your state is going to be able to guide you through that. The Land is Your Legacy team would be able to guide you through that. And then know that if you go and you complete this, you work with someone who does farm transition planning and you have a professional walk you through it, you've got it all done. Know that this needs to be a living and breathing document. This is not a once and done, you put it on the shelf and you don't look at it again for 20 years. Anytime there's a change in Washington, for sure, or a major change in your operation, birth, death, marriage, divorce, kind of the big changes, you know, you add a whole bunch of land, or you sell off some land, or you add a, a different entity, you know, cat, you, all of a sudden, now you're going to start raising cattle, and you've always been a crop farmer, something like that. You need to be reviewing these plans and keeping them up with what your current operation looks like. Um, you can't just do this, put it on the shelf, and then 30 years from now, somebody pulls it off the shelf and thinks that it's going to to work with all of the changes that have taken place in those last 30 years. So that's a big one is making sure that you're reviewing it and keeping it up to date. Over time, a lot of these farm operations have certainly grown. We've seen a pretty good economy with commodity prices and so forth. And so we've always been dealing with a lot of dollars, but I think now we are dealing with many times a lot of dollars, a lot of money. Has yes. that changed the discussions now that these operations have become so large and being able to simply handle uh, some of this? Because you said earlier on that people can um, perhaps act differently when there are a lot of dollar signs there. How do we avoid yeah. some of the pitfalls, I guess? Again, I, I just go back to that communication. I have one advisor that I work with who um, they they get the plan done. He works with mom and dad. He works with the on-farm kids. Um, and then when everything is done, mom and dad have made the decisions. The final meeting that this particular advisor has is he brings in everybody off farm kids, on farm kids, in-laws, you know, kids that have married into the, into the operation, anybody that this plan touches. And he calls it, um, the reading of the will 
before the death. So they actually all get in a room and this advisor is there to um, kind of mediate it, if you will, or facilitate it. And he lets everybody in that room know this is the plan that generation one has put together. This is their decision. This is what they've come up with. And this is why. And it gives everybody in that room the opportunity to ask questions um, directly of mom and dad. Because I think sometimes when you hear these stories of, you know, mom and dad passed away and now the kids don't talk to each other because there was all this fighting. A lot of times, if you really boil that down, it goes back to people were surprised at the time of death of what the plan was. Um, so this advisor feels very strongly that we just put it out there and we let everybody know from the beginning, it gives them a time to ask questions of mom and dad before mom and dad have passed away. I think that's, I think that's great personally. Yes. No, I can see how that would be. You know, you mentioned time of death and this is a discussion that I've had with different guests on this show is, is, while we do not like to talk about death and we hope everyone lives a, a long and full life, we do need to consider as well of what about an untimely death? Something happens like yeah. this. Uh, we like to think of these things in our own time, but sometimes they don't. So how do I safeguard my family operation against those types of things? The the only thing you can do is to put a rock solid plan in place that looks at all of the, all of the possible, I mean, you can never look at every possible contingency, but that understands farming is a very dangerous occupation. And we've had situations where you make this plan and you assume that generation one will be the first to pass away, but then there's some sort of an accident or illness and it's actually generation two that passes away. So it needs to be done with a professional with the, the thought in mind to how are we going to build this regardless of what that final situation ends up being that causes the transition. We've tended to focus on the challenges, and rightfully so. We want to overcome those. But perhaps mm -hmm. here as we wind up the interview, give me some hope that, hey, there are a lot of farm situations that navigate this successfully, and they do pass this on from one generation to the next, and you can have a successful operation. I'm hoping you'll say that that does happen, and there's a path to make oh. sure that that happens. Absolutely, that does happen. Um, yes, we have success stories of farms and ranches that have taken this work, um, done the hard work. You know, they get to the other side and they say, "Wow, that was that was tough. That was intense. That was a lot of really hard work." But now everybody knows, everybody understands, and those operations are able to go on and and grow and change and adapt to the changes in the the economy and the egg industry and successfully transition to the next generation because everybody knows what's going to happen at the time of death. There isn't the, the, the misunderstanding or the lack of knowledge that can cause these, these struggles and not saying that the farms that farms and ranches that do this don't ever have any struggles. Um, but they are, we definitely have success stories of people that are able to do this successfully. And I will tell you, I'm going to go back to that communication and family meetings. I will tell you most of the ones that, that do transition successfully and the next generation is working at it are the ones that excel at the communication and, and do those family meetings. Agreed. We have referenced land as your legacy. I'm betting that you have some resources that people can be able to find out more about through that program. Is that right? Yes, for sure. Um, so again, this is a program Nationwide has put together to help farmers and ranchers transition from generation one to generation two. And one thing that I don't think I mentioned is this is something that Nationwide is doing as part of our noble purpose. So we are actually not charging farmers and ranchers any cost 
um, to get this plan from us. Now, when you get to implementation, there is going to be a cost associated with it. You're going to have to go to your attorney. They're going to charge you a fee. You might have to work with your CPA. They're going to charge you a fee. But actually getting the plan from us, we don't charge anything for you to get the plan in your hands. And then sometimes the pushback I'll get is, well, if you don't charge anything, then, you know, is the plan really worth it or is it valid or, you know, is it, is it decent? And I would put our plan up against any, on anybody out there who's doing this work. There's lots of people doing this work and doing it very well, but our plan is just, um, on the same level with all of that. We work with any size operation there's no operation too small and there's no operation too big for us to be able to handle it. And if you're looking for more information, um, you can go to nationwide.com forward slash land as your legacy. Um, And that is our landing page for all kinds of information about the program. And there would be a link on there for you to click if you want more information and want someone to reach out to you. Lisa, I really appreciate the time and great advice for farm families out there. Thank you. I I appreciate the conversation and uh, look forward to further conversation in the future. I do hope you're having those key conversations with your family. It's not a once and done type of thing. It's a continual process. And while these conversations can sometimes be challenging, they are also so important to helping us keep working the land and operating our family businesses. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farming the Countryside. We use those social media platforms to keep people updated and share more information, pictures, and videos during the week. And you can hear these shows in a variety of ways as well at farmingthecountryside.com on many local radio stations, or on your favorite podcast platform. So be sure to go back and listen to past programs you may have missed for topics you want to review. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.